Welcome back to In Search of Tarot, a podcast that utilizes the cards to examine new questions, question any answer, and reimagine the possibilities of our lives. My name is Nick Kepley, and I am honored to be your host. In Search of Tarot is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly, and so the project is entirely sustained by the generosity of our Patreon community. For as little as $2 a month, you can support this podcast, making it possible for me to bring you even more incredible guests and thought-provoking conversations. Head over to patreon.com slash manofthecards for more information and to join. Please know that you lend support simply through the act of listening and sharing this podcast with others. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to leave a rating and review, however short. This is the quickest and easiest way to help these conversations reach more ears. My guest today is evolutionary oracle Kaylee Clapp, a professional tarot reader from Frederick, Maryland. In her work and writings, Lee draws upon her vast knowledge base spanning from religion and science to mythology and metaphysics. A deaf scholar mystic fluent in American Sign Language and English, she sees translation as a potent act of alchemy. Her name sign evokes images of illumination and blooming. Also joining us today is our ASL English interpreter, Andrea Rekoff. She will be voicing for Lee and signing for myself. The full video of this interview is available to view on YouTube, and a transcript is available at manofthecards.com slash transcripts. I am so honored today to be welcoming Lee Clapp, Evolutionary Oracle and Tarot Reader to In Search of Tarot podcast. This has been something I've been looking forward to for a while now. Lee, I love your work. I've been following you for a long time. And I'm very excited to speak with you today about not only your tarot practice, but the way that you work with language. I think it's just going to be a really special conversation. And we're joined uh, by our interpreter, Andrea. Andrea, thank you so much for being with us and making this conversation possible as well. Lee, we will have talked a bit at the start of this episode about your tarot work specifically, but I would love for you to introduce yourself to anyone that's watching or listening, perhaps in a more personal way, just a bit about who you are, anything that you would like to share to give some context to who you are and what you do and where you are in the world. Sure thing. First, thank you so much, Nick, for having me here. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm Lee with my sign in. I'm from Fredericks, Maryland. I'm a tarot reader and I also call myself a scholar, mystic, and I'm deaf and deaf with a capital D, meaning that I identify as a member of the linguistic and cultural minority deaf community. So that's who I am. Amazing. So Maybe as a way to start, I would love to talk about something that you mentioned on your website, which is your ancestral strands that you say are woven of Celtic and Germanic and Slavic threads. And you also mentioned, as you said, that you're a scholar, that you double majored in history and comparative religion. So I'm wondering if you can take us back to the beginning of your spiritual journey. Was spirituality central to the way that you were raised? 
And how did that spark first ignite for you? Sure. So I guess in terms of spirituality, the word mystical is what I lean towards. That's rooted more mystery. All my life, I've believed that mystery is at the heart of all things. So I kind of work in that space. To go back to the origin of all of that, I was born and raised in a typical middle-class family. We didn't go to any sort of church, so no real mystical background in that regard. My parents were religious. My father was Southern Baptist and my mother was Roman Catholic. My theory is they couldn't agree upon how to raise their children. So they just kind of left us to our own devices and kind of got to figure that out ourselves. So I wasn't raised with any spiritual baggage per se. I was just attracted to the beauty of rituals. I was immersed in books. I remember there were a lot of illustrated Bibles that I had around my home, children's picture Bibles and things like that. I was fascinated with the stories and the people just interested in reading of all of what was going on in those books. So that kind of took me through all the classics as well. Homer, Plato, Dante, Shakespeare, things like that. Jane Austen, Toni Morrison. I was a voracious reader and I was just always in love with the thought of astronomy, quantum physics, all of that type of stuff. I loved the wonder and beauty of the universe. So with that being said, there's more than one type of text, in my opinion, not just actual physical books, but text of the world, just reading and seeing the world. There's a lot of different interpretations and meanings of that. So I guess I'd say in middle school, that's when I started getting more attracted to the occult. Well, I'm a Scorpio, so I guess that kind of lends itself. I would try to imagine what it means to be psychic. I didn't have any special gifts at that moment. Sometimes my friends, we'd have play with the Ouija board and things like that, but I never tarot deck in person until many years later. I grew up, graduated college, had a full-time job, paid the bills, bought a house, did the regular things, and just noticed a sense of something missing. Something was definitely missing. I got serious writer's block and felt stunted. Something was frozen within me, in my soul, and I just could not flow. I was stuck. And then a few years ago, I found a random book about tarot. So picked that up, read through it, um, and thought, why am I not doing this already? Um, where has this been? So I bought my first deck and started working with it and realized that um, I've been waiting for myself here. This is what has been waiting for me. I can't emphasize enough that it was legit my whole entire life preparing for tarot. Everything I had studied, everything I had experienced, everything I had wondered, all presented itself through tarot. So immediately I went out and bought as many books as I possibly could, took all of the classes I could. I studied under Rachel Pollock, Mary Kay Greer, Lindsay Mack. I started my professional practice and read my first paid tarot reading client almost a year ago uh, to the date in November, 2020. 
So now I'm here thriving in my small business. I give private readings. I offer workshops and of course, love writing about tarot and theory behind it. Incredible. I, I was struck you were raised by Catholic and Baptist parents and then to somehow escape that being left to your own devices, as you said, is kind of amazing. I was raised Baptist and I understand that environment. Yeah, I guess that influenced my fascination and respect for the variety of religions out there. Like you said, there's a lot of folks who have that background and it can be difficult to deprogram that. I never really had that. I always approached all religions through the lens of myth. Also happy birthday, Scorpio. Yes. <laughs> and you were talking about text and the, the many different meanings of text. And a lot of times I will hear or read tarot readers talking about the tarot as a text. Is that how you view the cards? Do you view the tarot as a sort of text of its own? Yes, I do. It is a form of text. It's like each time you shuffle the cards and lay out a spread or open the book, the sentences are the same order if you open up to a random page every time you try to read. So it's kind of like that. Text is a huge word. We often think of it as a book and text can be carvings. It can be a totem. Your body can be a text. So when we read, there's more than we read versus just words on a page. I think text is anything that you can read in the larger sense of the word. I really love that description because I was a dancer and now I teach ballet. And a lot of times I talk to my students about speaking through their bodies, which is another reason I was very excited to, to talk with you today, because that is what we do when we dance. We, we are speaking through our body. You mentioned that when you found tarot, you felt like you had really kind of come home. What do you think it was about tarot that made you feel that way or that called you to it? Good question. I think... What makes tarot so powerful is hundreds or thousands of different symbols that are on these cards in a small space, in a dense pack area, compressed into a pile. So I think there's just so many ways to approach this text, but also a lot of text within one card that you pull. So it can be approached from a religious perspective, um, from a mythical perspective, psychological perspective, endless perspectives, quantum physics perspective, on and on. You describe yourself as an evolutionary oracle, and I was curious to hear what that means to you. Is it that you feel like you're channeling messages, or what does that oracular sense mean to you? Yeah, um, I'm happy to say I don't know respecting the mystery of it. We want to know, and we want to identify and label and define uh, most things, but I honestly can answer that I'm not sure. Definitely something comes through. The word oracle from Greek origins, message from the gods, who the gods are, I couldn't tell you. I think every channel has a filter. My filter being my own upbringing, the fact that I am deaf, bilingual, like all of that is a filter for the channel it comes to me, which 
is a good thing for all. But when we talk about uh, divine, um, universal, and then we have um, the human aspect to it, all of that combined. Yeah, I love that you said you're honoring the not knowing. And this is going to be my next question for you with your scholarship. I definitely think there's an aspect to the tarot of sort of nerdiness, nerding out about symbols, nerding out about mystery, symbology, and all of that. But then there's also this other thing with tarot that you kind of can't explain. There's the the synchronicity, whatever you want to call it, the unexplainable. And that's kind of the piece that I think keeps us going with it. There's one side of it where you can kind of theorize and and pull it apart, which is something that I really like doing. But then there's this other piece where you're just like, I don't know how that happened. That was the perfect card to show up or the message was so clear. And there's definitely something outside of myself that I can't explain. Absolutely. That's a beautiful demonstration and a beautiful description. When you're reading for yourself, I love when that happens. Also, when I'm reading for a client, when we build that connection together with the cards and with whatever else, the universe and whatnot, there's just something kind of magical created in that moment. So let's talk a little bit about your educational background, because I am curious how that has impacted your work. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds as if you kind of had that educational background first and then tarot came along. So I'm curious what that educational filter added to your own processing of tarot ideas and teachings, because a lot of history of tarot, at least in what we have in sort of our Western history of tarot, is very shrouded in mystery, was kind of controlled by esoteric groups like the Golden Dawn who had their own agendas and thoughts. So how did your own educational background give you pause with what you were seeing or add a layer to what you were encountering with the tarot? Did it kind of enhance or or change your practice? I double majored in history and religion. The reason being, I wanted to understand humanity. I wanted to understand humans more, and that was kind of the best approach, a story of humans. And religion is an extremely important piece You can't really go anywhere in any society or culture without religion being present. Even today, the relationship has changed, but it it is still there for most everyone. And I think both influenced my approach to tarot in several ways. I see the long view. I feel like I have a wide understanding. Tarot can feel very individualized for that one person you're reading for. For the person, yes, but also the context. There's really no clear delineation. There's a blend between the era, the society, the individual, the whole civilization. And for history, I like to look at the context um, of what's going on. It's something is not just in isolation. There's always context and looking at different sources. Who's telling the story and why? Tarot has a lot of different references. So I already had that body of knowledge ready. When I came to tarot, I didn't have to learn about those areas through tarot, kind of flip that around where I learned tarot through the symbols and meanings and things like that. I already had a strong background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Because you're so drawn to symbols and it sounds like symbols are such a big part of your practice, are there certain decks that you like to work with? Or I guess what I'm trying to ask also is, you know, maybe a three of swords card in one deck with the symbols that are there in that particular deck, those symbols are not necessarily going to be present in a different deck. So are, are you really looking at the art individually and letting that change based on what deck you're working with? Or speaking of Lindsay Mack, who speaks a lot about reading decklessly, do you sort of have a sense of what these cards mean? And then the art is like an extra layer on top of that. I know everyone wants to know what deck you use and things like that. People ask you that often, but I do play with a lot of different decks. I have a wide variety of them. Do I have one favorite one? I wouldn't say. I look at each individual deck for the different perspective. I learn something new with each deck. So for that reason, the art is invaluable. I don't read decklessly. I view each card like a probability cloud. So it really depends on what else is going on within that context, what else is laid out, what interpretation comes forward and things like that. It's what comes up from what else is laid out. But I do love looking at different decks. It sparks in me when I see them. Probability cloud is an amazing way to describe the tarot. That's my new favorite phrase. So I want to dive in a little bit to the subject of language now with you. You're bilingual in American Sign Language and written English, and you share on your website that you draw upon both words and signs as sites of great power and meaning. I'm wondering if you can share a bit more about that with us, about how you perceive the power of words and signs differently, how you work with the power of both languages, both separately and also together. Sure. So I probably should say my deaf identity first, because I think a lot of outsiders don't really understand what it means to be deaf or to be bilingual. In written English um, and spoken ASL and sign. I am deaf and my whole family is deaf. My parents and siblings and most of my extended family is deaf as well. I can look back in my lineage and have a direct correlation of five generations of deaf pe- people in my family, meaning my great great grandparents were deaf. I have census records from 1890 where my deaf great grandfather reported having four deaf children. And one of those deaf children was my uh, paternal grandmother's father. So I really value that. And there is a long connection of that within my family. Obviously, as I said, a lineage that I receive in terms of language and culture that has been passed down. And it's my job uh, to maintain and take care of that for future generations as well. English and ASL, two separate languages, two whole separate languages, like Spanish and Chinese, two completely separate languages that you can identify. One, obviously, English is spoken orally, and then ASL visually with your hands and whatnot our brains process them exactly the same way. So in that sense, there's really no difference. 
But at the same time, there is a different view of the world, different vocabulary, different grammar, and things like that. Language shapes and reflects cultures and different views of the world. So I feel that that's an advantage for me. There's monolingual Americans. Um, and so, so I can kind of look at, clarify that question. Can you ask that again? Wondering if in tarot, in like a deaf community that works with tarot, have there been ways that the cards and the interpretations of the cards have been orally passed down or visually passed down that are different than maybe the way that they've been written about? Because I'm really struck by what you're sharing about the, the power written word and the way that becomes this kind of repository. So I'm wondering what we are missing out on, people that don't use ASL or that don't speak oral languages. Are there things that we don't even know about maybe that have been passed down, um, but just haven't been written down? Ooh. <laughs> I think that's a very complicated question. There's a lot of layers with that. And I won't hit all of the layers, but we can pick at that a little bit. I guess, first off, clarifying for tarot, it's a wonderful tool, but it's not a formal language. It doesn't have its own grammar and things like that. It's just a tool to use. And so we use language to talk about tarot and talk about the tool. Language is powerful. I guess that's one thing that makes me think of deaf people don't take language for granted. I will say that. And when you talk about folks looking down upon or think sign language is lesser than um, it's inferior or it's just gestures or things like that, it's a highly complex uh, system. And then comparing that to a spoken language, it's one dimensional. It's not a 3D or 2D language. It's very sequential. Um, word, 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 word comes out of your mouth and it can only express one syllable at a time as you speak. Sign language, it's 4D. <laughs> uh, there's time happening along with space and other things all happening simultaneously. And you have two hands and your facial expressions and body language is also included in the message. So it, there, there's quite a difference. And in deaf community, obviously the language is visual and our cultural is visual and tarot is highly visual. When it comes to signs, this sign that I'm doing right here, I'm kind of going V-E-E. -E. It really doesn't translate well into English. It's a very strong ASL cultural sign. And it kind of means I'm observing, or let me analyze this, or I'm trying to understand this, or let me watch this. It's all of the words that this one sign can mean. And it's kind of a deaf thing and it's very understood within the community. It's an active type of sight of looking at something. And I do see us applying that to tarot. I think it comes naturally to me, at least, to see the visual patterns within the cards that are showing up and seeing the conversation among them. And Deaf people who use ASL are much more sensitive to visual patterns and things that are happening around them visually. Mm -hmm. On your Instagram, you often do collective readings and there are captions that go along with them. And I was just curious what the process is like for you to go from ASL 
to English? And if you feel like there is some meaning that gets lost in that translation, are there any specific cards that in ASL you feel like you are able to talk about in a way that you can't quite do in written English? Yeah, I guess first answer is yes. I love doing the weekly collective readings um, on Instagram. Part of that is to share tarot with the deaf community because there's so few resources provided in ASL in terms of accessibility. But the other part is I love sharing ASL with the world and the nons who may be watching. So, right. Yes. If you read the captions, you are only understanding me through my translation. First, I sign out the videos in ASL, and then it takes me a good hour for every three minutes of videos to caption them. So it's a lot of work. I have to, okay, what did I just say in ASL? How do I put that into English? How do I use that word or that specific sentence structure? So it is a lot of work, but I enjoy it. And sometimes I'll sign something that I wouldn't know how to put into English. You shared some amazing resources with me in preparation for this interview, which I really appreciated. And one of the things that I learned through reading those resources was the way that the face is involved with ASL, specifically the eyebrows. I was reading about the difference between who, what, where, when, why, eyebrow placement versus yes, no questions. And that made me wonder if in art and tarot, any ways that you draw meaning out of facial expressions or even body postures in the art that someone that doesn't speak ASL might miss and also a, a deaf person or an ASL speaker made a tarot deck. What you first brought up in terms of facial expression and eyebrows and everything all being within the language, all of the decks that I'm aware of I work with are non-hearing people have developed those decks. So I can't apply ASL meaning or grammar to something that was made by someone who doesn't use ASL. But I would say I may be more sensitive visually to the patterns and the body language. I may look a little bit more deeply at things like that when catch some of those details. I'm only aware of one ASL tarot deck. What's that guy's name? First name is Dylan. His last name escapes me, but he's from Rochester, New York. And what he did was he took the traditional white and had them sign the words. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see the people signing on the cards. So that was one nice way to incorporate and be inclusive of the deaf community for sure. But ask me if there is any sign influence with how I interpret the cards and there is. Um, so in the ASL community, there are two signs for the word justice sign looks like this, where it kind of looks like the scales um, of justice. And then the other one kind of means more equal. And they have different um, connotations behind them. This one with the scales is more related with court systems, the law, judges, punishment, and things like that. More emphasis on punishment versus this sign, more of an equal equality, kind of more of a social justice type of lens transformational justice, restorative justice, fairness, that type of sign. So which sign by sign, when we talk about that card, 
influences that card's meaning. For ASL Tarot, that artist chose the justice and fairness, equality, justice, which was interesting. So we're actually coming to a close, but I'd like to kind of just open to you if there's anything else you'd like to share about your experience or your interpretation style or, or just really anything else you'd like to share. Sure. Thanks. I guess one of the questions you asked me, what was the meaning for intuitive reader? What's important to me, one of my favorite cards is the two of swords and it's the woman sitting the blindfold over her eyes. And she has the two swords that cross across her um, chest. So that was always fascinating to me. It represents um, the connection of left brain and right brain connecting left brain, obviously more logical, more word heavy. And then the right side of the brain typically is more holistic, visual art side. So bringing those two together, and she crosses them kind of in the middle, kind of has a third approach or third area. And to me, tarot is a combination of both of those left and right brain. Left brain is very systematic. It's more understanding things through systems and the right brain understands things through stories. So putting those two together, having more of the scientific understanding of something and then having the mythical understanding to me is tarot. That's kind of sums up my intuitive approach to reading tarot. That's gorgeous. Thank you. So tell people how they can find you, how they can follow you. And if you have any upcoming offerings, any workshops, anything else you'd like to talk about. You can find me on my website, Instagram under the same handle. I do offer workshops occasionally. You can sign up for my newsletter to get information about that. I also do reading for deaf and hearing clients. You can just type back and forth in the chat and that works, but I'll read for everyone. Yeah. Amazing. I just got your newsletter, I think this morning actually, and it's always beautiful. I love how you write. It's a lovely offering. So thank you, Lee. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this with us. It was a pleasure to to speak with you and Andrea also. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having me, Nick. And thank you, Andrea. In Search of Tarot is hosted, edited, and produced by Nick Kepley. Theme music was written and recorded by AJ Ackleson. A transcript of this episode is available online at manofthecards.com slash transcripts. 